Welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast called Conversate, where we engage in conversation. And on this fourth episode, I, Aaron Gerke, am sitting down with Marcus Huff, our Director of Youth and Campus Ministries at St. Peter and Paul, as we discuss the final chapter of the book, Spiritually Vibrant Home, as we discuss Open Doors. Well, hi Marcus. Hey Pastor Aaron, how are you? I'm good. Should we uh, should we cheers? Cheers. Well, my coffee's cold already. Yours is cold, and uh, today I'm drinking church coffee. So are you? Folders in your cup. Yeah. Is it? Do we have folders here? Sometimes. I think something Depends like on that. Donations. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well. We have Marcus here today and not Kevin. Uh, we're just mixing it up a little bit. Uh, some of you who are listening know Marcus Huff and some of you don't. So Marcus, why don't you just introduce yourself quick and perfect? let the people know uh, what it is you do around here. All right. My name's Marcus Huff. I do youth and campus ministry here at St. Peter and Paul. So what that means is... Campus ministry, we have a, a student house called the Concordia Lutheran Student Center. We currently have six students in there, so I oversee, uh, manage, and work with uh, those awesome Christian leaders on our campus, uh, Michigan Tech primarily. Um, we have an international student ministry intern that I'm working with for this semester, um, as well as the college community at large um, that go to Gogibic Community College in Finlandia. Um, and just trades, and people are just college age in our area too. High school ministry, pretty self-explanatory, but engaging them, life after um, confirmation, what it means to kind of own our faith and some really cool opportunities and get involved with our church, um, and other um, youth-focused faith topics. And then junior high is a lot of confirmation ministry, learning about their faith, what it means to walk and do a lot of conversations that we're having right now with this messy table family household discussion stuff. So yeah, a couple areas. Excellent. Well, for, for full disclosure, Marcus and I did go to college together. So we've, uh, we've known each other for, I mean, how long would that be? 14, 15, 16, 17. We had a Facebook memory that was 14 years ago recently. 14 years ago. Yeah. Awesome. It's been a while. Well, it's gotta be more than, it's gotta be more, more than, than that. that. We might be going on two decades. Getting close. That's crazy. That is wild. Well, in light of that, <laughs> it's not like we haven't conversated before. I don't know if you can say it like that. We'd have to ask Kevin. He's the one that taught us this word, conversate. So. Yeah. You know, it's funny because literally the one of the first times we remember knowing each other goes back to a really messy conversation around a table oh, yeah. in college. That's right. Talking about like childhood and backgrounds and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think of college, I think of open doors. I suppose. I mean, that is that is very true. I mean, if you think all right, so here's here's the full disclosure on this story. We're sitting around the cafeteria. I didn't really know this guy, I didn't know Marcus, but somehow our conversation around the table turned into the place that you're born. Like where where were you born? And I, I piped up and I said I was born in Saint Joseph, Michigan. And then this guy sitting across the table that I didn't hardly know says no, you weren't born in St. Joseph, Michigan. 
That's this is Marcus, and I could have a little more tact, but in my delivery, <laughs> but you know, at least that's how my memory. I'm sure you did. Have Maybe I can't even give you a hug. I said no, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and I said, how do you know? What do you what do you know about me? And he said, you were born in Benton Harbor, Michigan. There was no hospital in St. Joseph, Michigan, and he said I was born in that hospital in Benton Harbor. So then I went and proceeded to call my mom and said, Mom, have you been lying to me my whole life? And Mom, if you're listening to this, you admitted, yes, you had been because (laughs) I actually was born in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And so Marcus helped me to find out the truth. Born in the same hospital about eight months apart. Yeah. Pretty wild. That is pretty wild. That is pretty wild. So. Huh. But I I think you go back. I mean, I think we had great opportunities if you think about you know living in living in a dorm i mean living in a a dormitory is much different than living in a neighborhood like in my in my house where i live now i mean it's very easy in my neighborhood to drive my car use my garage door opener open the garage pull my car into the garage close the garage door go into my house do the same thing over and over again, especially as we enter into the winter season where, where we live. I mean, it becomes more and more of that. Um, I mean, much different than living in a dormitory where you (laughs) share a bathroom together, where many times you just leave your door open, hoping that people will stop in, you know, and just that. Or just tuning in the conversations when people walk through the hallways, you know, just, just being part of life in that open air kind of environment. Compared to your cars, you don't have that. Right. Do you think, I mean, uh, I, I'm just I'm just wondering, I'm sure it's different in different parts of the country, but I don't know what, Marcus, when you first moved up here locally, you yeah. did live in an apartment building. Yeah. Now you guys live in a house. Was that, was that a different kind of uh, experience, like a different sort of living situation where perhaps... Uh, did, did, was meeting your neighbors a different kind of activity than it is uh, in a neighborhood? I think so. I think, honestly, we probably met our neighbors more out of an inconvenience of being in the stairwell at the same time and figuring out how we were going to shuffle around each other and then getting to know each other, to be honest. Um, had some really good, met some really good people and then seeing them outside of our apartment building in the community someplace else and befriending them. Um, and having some good, really unique relationships with the guy lived across our hall from us and which then became his parents lived there with him for a while and some other people too, in the apartment complex, um, different than living in a house on a street, I think in Hancock, because I think people came and welcomed us to the neighborhood and, um, uh, wanted us to engage in what was going on, know who we were and stuff like that and make us feel um, welcome to the area, but at the same time too, he's taking some effort to re- literally reach across some fences and get to know our neighbors and see what's going on and learn their stories and stuff like that too. So, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my wife and I keep talking about this too. Like how, I don't know. We try to think about like, what, what is our, what is our role in the, in the neighborhood? Mm. You know, uh, I think some people purchase their houses for the sake of the neighborhood that they're uh, living in, or, or some people want to move to a particular neighborhood. I don't know about you guys, but we were just we were just looking for a house, like a house that you know had our had our stipulations of what we were looking for. 
But then we find ourselves in this neighborhood. And I think the book, the spiritually vibrant home, this whole idea that, that spiritually vibrant homes have, have opened doors is that reminder to us that, that God wants to not just work in my life, not just in my family's life, but like, but also through our family and through the entirety of our household. So if we think about that, like where does our, where does my household, my, my wife and my kids and I, where do we spend most of our time? It's actually in our house or in our yard, in our neighborhood. So there's people in that proximity. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so how do we, what, what role does God have for us in the lives of those people that we are actually in close proximity to? And I'll admit that we don't do a great job of this, but it's something that we're continuously asking God about and, and praying about. And I think this chapter is convicting me even more, even more of that, that sort of mentality to, to notice my neighbors and to, to want to do something to be engaged in relationship with them. Definitely. I think not only is it just our neighbors across the street or next door in that way too, but being such a small community, like our neighbors quickly become the same person that checks you out at the grocery store and does the groceries so often and stuff like that. And I remember my life, my wife is from Iowa and her neighbors, closest neighbors, like five miles away. And that blew my my mind that that was still a neighbor. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I can't even see them. Like right. they're not even in the horizon. What's going on? But you open that up and who is our neighbors and our community. And it's those frequent places that you, you visit. If it's restaurants or library or uh, gas station or wherever you go or same auto shop to get your vehicles fixed and things like that. I mean, those are neighbors. You almost spend more time engaging, interacting with them than you do with the people you live right next door to. Right. Which is also eye-opening to get to know the people living right next door to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. And I've talked, I've talked to a lot of people that are really, really good neighbors. Like some of, some of you listening to this, I I think you're, you live in some super tight knit neighborhoods and uh, I've heard stories of people that, you know, they really look out for one another, uh, even do meals together and um, all sorts of stuff. And so that's, that's awesome that those things are, are happening. I think for me, reading this chapter and this, I I preached about it uh, on on Sunday. For me, this what's what's really convicting is this whole idea of just taking taking notice and mm-hmm. paying attention to other people, and paying attention to what God is doing in this world. Like I, I'm I'm just really really apt to, to, to just be focused on what I have to be focused on and just to, to push and drive and keep going. And, uh, it's, I don't know. There, I didn't share this story in my, in my sermon, but I was thinking, thinking kind of in terms of this, like, uh, both my wife and I love to downhill ski and we haven't been able to do that, uh, for a while just due to kids. But, uh, we lived in uh, Denver, Colorado for a year and skied in the mountains every year. And I like to go fast when, when I'm skiing. <laughs> uh, I, like, I like to go fast and my wife takes a more cautious approach. That's the nice <laughs> way to say it. Um, but, but I'd go flying down and then I'd find a spot and I would stop. And I'd wait there. And I'd mm-hmm. wait and I'd wait. I didn't wait, 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 wait. Super long. <laughs> but, but I'd wait long enough and my wife would get to me 
And she'd be like, you know, she'd be out of breath. And I'd be like, all right, let's go. And I would just want to take off and and go. And she's like, well, wait a second. You've been sitting here waiting. Can you wait a little bit longer for me? And so it's just that mentality for me of this like, all right, I I recognize that perhaps I, I, I run at just a different a different pace sometimes and I get all these things in my head and I just, I have a hard time noticing people. I just know it's part of my personality. So it's something that God's been convicting me of and working to shake me out of just this Aaron, just, just chill out. Like look around. There's, there's people around. You don't have to like get over there. You can just be right here for right now. Just look around. There's people here there's there's neighbors there's strangers there's people to engage in conversation with just just build the ability to be present just to slow down right. and sit and um there's not many times especially with family that our schedules aren't full or we have to do one task and then another task and then we we want to rush home to be home with family even too right. compared to i'm just gonna hang out for an extra 20 minutes like it'll be noticed if we're out an extra 20 minutes that we're not supposed to be in a sense and want to engage and stuff like that too but even in in conversations like this i get caught up in my head already going what's the next thing that we're going to talk about what's next cue where's this going i'm not even present in this conversation it's just you and me in the room for a future listener to hear and i think we're our minds are under attack often let alone our schedules and things like that about being busy and um what's going on someplace else and that we we fail to be present to to be there with people um and to see the opportunities around us right and we can do definitely do a better job of that too right the book talks a lot about hospitality in this in in this section as well which is literally a lot of times being with people Mm -hmm. and What's your first memory of coming to the Copper Country and experiencing hospitality from people up here? Mm. So this is a this is a shout out to uh, to Dave Weber. Uh, if, you, if you've ever listened to this, Dave, um, Dave and Lois. Uh, Dave is the uh, retired pastor here from our from our yep. church, and he and I worked together for five years. Um, those of you who know Dave. Uh, I, I, hospitality is an incredible gift and strength uh, of his. So the first time that Abby and I ever rolled into uh, the copper country, we were coming up here to look for housing. So mm. uh, we came up a, like a couple months before we actually moved here. And as we were driving into, into town, uh, uh, David actually driven out of town to meet us on the side of the road oh, wow. to, to, uh, welcome us and to show us <laughs> the way into town. So like, I mean, you talk about hospitality. It wasn't even, Hey, wait till you make it to my house. Like, right. Like I'm going to, I'm going to come out and meet you, get out of, get out of your car, give you a hug. That's say, like a follow. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Say, follow me, let us all the way to their house, uh, opened it up, you know, make yourself at home. Wow. Feed you, welcome you. We sat on their, sat on their deck. They, wrapped Abby in blankets because it was a cool evening. <laughs> I think we were even celebrating Dave's birthday. And so we were welcomed into that cool. birthday celebration. And so, yeah, I mean, Dave, uh, incredible uh, hospitality in that, in that case. And, um, and that was, that was contagious too. So we were welcomed into lots of other people's uh, homes for different meals and that sort of stuff. So um, 
yeah, I mean, very fond memories of that, uh, that, that welcome that we received. And yeah, I mean, that's incredible. It's neat because it sets the tone too of your experience of what it looks like, you know, as we are like lights in our community, what it means, what, what does it mean to be a Christian going like, am I going to check you out first and then I'll consider if it's worth the effort or not. And like to meet you before you even get to town, like welcoming you in and not, to, you don't have to worry about a single thing and give you direction is that's unbelievable. I so, know, for sure. That's super, super cool. Huh? Yeah. I mean, there's that. The, I sorry to my Greek teachers from uh, from the college and the seminary, but uh, it was this book that reminded me what the what the Greek word uh, for hospitality is. Uh, so this chapter talks about the the Greek word, the biblical word when it talks about hospitality is the word philozenia, which which means the love of the stranger, hmm. love of stranger. So, um, so I mean, if we think about hospitality, a lot of times we're hospitable with people that we know yeah, and that we like and that we, that, that are kind of already maybe part of our household when we use this language. But I think it's another level to think about what it means or what it could mean for our households to have open doors for people that we don't even yet know. Yeah. I invite him over. I mean, it makes me think of like Thanksgiving parties, like in the sense of I always have wanted to and hesitated to invite, you know, someone that's on their own over Uh, or the college student that didn't have the funds to go home or had a messy situation at home. They want to go back to and be part of that. Or, um, we, before we had sullied a couple that had kids, but no extended family. And we've come and done holidays with you guys and have been welcomed into that hospitality as well. Um, but so often just to be out and about and like fill up on gas on Thanksgiving day and find someone else out there doing the same thing. Be like, Hey, come have dinner with me. Like, right. come on over. That'd be, I don't know if, how the rest of the house would feel about that coming home <laughs> to that situation too. But that is, that is the call. Not just to invite those that you're comfortable that hit all the check marks, but just trusting in the opportunities and nudges and people that are there and saying, come dine with me or come experience life with me or just come into this and it doesn't have to be a lifelong friendship or a thing, but just come and experience the gifts that I've been given and engaging and learning and experiencing your gifts and, and our home or wherever that may be. So for sure. And I, I mean, you just think about the ministry of Jesus too. I mean, this is, this is what he did. Like, yeah, you just read through the gospels then how much how much of that time was spent of Jesus going into people's homes, ones that right. the community necessarily didn't want him going into? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so if you think of it, Jesus was the he was the stranger sometimes that was being welcomed into people's homes, right. even. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Jesus speaks like that too. Uh, you know, you, you were the ones who, who welcomed me into your homes. And so, uh, I mean, this is, this is an incredible way for us to think about living like Jesus through our households, Mm -hmm. through these places that are for us, 
places of respite, places of peace, um, you know, most of the time, places that we enjoy being. Like, what an incredible gift to say, I, I want... I want other people to to see that. I want other people to receive that. I want other people to see what Jesus is doing through us. Yeah. And uh, I know it's something that, again, that my wife and I have been praying about, thinking about. Uh, we we want to do more of, but just trying to find our, our 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 way of doing that, the way that God has uniquely gifted us yeah. to be a household that is hospitable in the way that God has gifted us to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, just throwing it back, like, uh, to, like pastor Dave Weber says, hospitality was incredible. Like I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not wired the same way, you know? Yep. So each of us have our unique kinds of giftings and the way that we go about hospitality. But the book hints at it too, that to be a hospitable person, it's not based on like your extroversion. Right. Or your introversion. Which I appreciate because I'm not highly extroverted or it seems exhausting sometimes to enter into like ram small talk with a complete stranger and get there. And yeah. sometimes too, it, there are all kinds of ways to be hospitable to random people. It's right. not just the highly bubbly people that feel like a, like a Labrador. They just want to like <laughs> befriend you and go home with you and stuff like that. Yeah. Too, so. yeah. No offense to Labradors. I have one, but that's how she is. Yeah. Like, she would go home with you. She would. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be perfectly happy. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the whole, the whole thing, the, the whole idea of hospitality is this, this idea that we have to be people who have eyes like Jesus for the people in this world. Yeah. Um, and so, Jesus was in this world for the sake of other people. I mean, if you think about that, like his motivation was wholeheartedly uh, selfless, hmm. sacrificial. Uh, the only the only selfish thing that he had to do was to go to the cross, but it wasn't selfish. It was selfless, but he was adamant on doing it. Like there was nothing that was going to stop him. So yeah. like it wasn't a selfish act. It was selfless, but he also was not going to be stopped from pursuing uh, that ultimate goal. So how do we live as people who are ultimately selfless? You know, it goes to this idea of having eyes that are open, paying attention. I just... Man, I, I just, I, I have such a hard time in this season of like the culture that we're in. I feel like genuine conversations like we're having are not being had by a lot of people, mm -hmm. especially people who see the world through different lenses. You know, I, I just... <laughs> you just pick any issue that our world is going through and how quickly it's it it it, it goes there's there's a wall that's built you're over there i'm over here done it's over yeah we kind of pick our camps or some people call it binary thinking we just where it's black and white there's no middle ground or we, we seek the comfort of like-minded people and right. the positions of where that is and there's little life in the gray in between and or it gets labeled as being wishy-washy or 
you don't care. You don't have a strong those opinions. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to be people that fight to be joyful in the midst of all these big decisions and discussions and tensions and anxieties and fears out there and to be mediators in the middle somehow, you know? And yeah. And I, I just wonder how, how as Christians or as the, as the Christian church, can we, can we do anything about that? Like how can we lead by example except by first praying, you know, saying, Lord, just open my eyes to the people around me. Because hmm. I, I think if we, if that's our prayer, if, if we're genuinely praying, God, open my eyes to the people around me, put people in my life that are different than me. Let me, let me get into conversation with people that are different. If that, if that starts as your specific prayer, you better believe God's going to actually do that. Yeah. And once he starts doing that, it's all about being obedient then and stepping into that situation and saying, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm here, God. Yeah. You know, use me now. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm here. I asked for this. You said that you will be present with me. Help me to love and serve and understand my neighbor, you know, as, Definitely. as we're here. I think seeing people bigger than um, their perspective or their labeled views on something too. I mean, Christ sees us as sons and daughters or seeing people in light of um, people that have been redeemed by Christ on the cross versus your Republican or your Democrat or your apathetic to politics or your right. this or that or whatever it may be, you know, or um, even you are your sin, you're your an alcoholic or abuser, all these different things. And I mean, praying for God to work in your own heart to see people beyond these easy labels um, or these, these, these agendas that are these perspectives or these mistakes or views that prevent us from being hospitable. Right. And Satan uses to get in the way to create and maintain that, that, that gap, that space, that yep. void in our lives. Um, you know, even you have a different Christian faith than mine, or we can't hang out together because you view this aspect of Jesus' life <laughs> differently than I view. Therefore, we will never relate. Going, but there's so much right. more richness in that. And and we even talked about earlier about Jesus' table of disciples. They probably did not see everything the same way. Right. I mean, he had a table that was loud and messy with his twelve disciples. I mean, there was a tax collector that everyone hated. They took all the money and the other people that were just very bold on how they were going to live something out. And other people that were really poor, they were just happy to have a meal and be with other people and be, have a sense of community and go and do life together. Figure, figure it out. Let, let your identity be in me more so than any other easy label. It is your profession or, your marriage status or I don't know your views on politics or if you're a Hulu fan versus a Netflix fan or whatever it may, may be. And, um, I think we, we often pick the wrong camps <laughs> right. before seeing people in the lens of Christ and working through that. I mean, without that, it's hard to love those that are hard to love. Right. 
And I just, if, if we don't first understand ourselves in light of that too, that's going to be hard to give. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're listening to this and you're struggling to figure out who, who you are, or what your identity is, or, you know, who it is that you align with on whatever issues, if that's a po- political thing, first of all, you're a, you're a child of God, right? Loved by, loved by him made by him in his image, saved and redeemed by Jesus for all of eternity. That's your identity. Mm-hmm. That's your identity. We are, because of our sin, strangers. Like we, we're, we, are, we are far from God because of our sin, but God has come to us in Jesus Christ. He's the one who crossed over the street for us who are broken and beaten yep. and dying. And, and he binds us up and builds us up. And I, I, th- I just, I believe that's our calling, you know, as we preached on the, in the good Samaritan on Sunday, this, just this take off the blinders, notice the people around you step across the street and love and serve your neighbors in need. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just see, see the gifts that God's given us and step into it. You know, it's not, it's not about monetary gifts too, that we think about or having that right situation or the perfect household to invite people in or do I make the best appetizers so I can have people <laughs> eat food and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, you're sitting here drinking church coffee. I mean, right. we're not trying too hard here, people. Like you just, you just show up in the community and the aspect of being together and building in that. Like it's unbelievable. How many of us want to just feel welcomed and accepted the way we are to be seen as something different than some of these very basic, basic things. Right. And, um, I think Jesus offers that in ways that so many of these earthly things don't and breathes into us this opportunity to be fulfilled in identity of who we are and where we come from. And I think that helps my self-esteem out. Yeah. And that usually is when I wrestled with this chapter about what prevents me from being hospitable. A lot of it comes from my own insecurities about I don't have enough of this or where does it come from and huh. who provides it. And yeah. um, I think it is through my relationship and faith and what Christ has done and seeing that lens of other people and the freedom of that. That's huge. For sure. For sure. Huge. Awesome. Well, Hey Marcus, I think this is going to wrap up our time for today. Thanks for joining in uh, on this conversation and for uh, dropping in a lot of nuggets of gold. Uh, Is that, is that what we would say? I would say that you had some nuggets of golden wisdom, golden wisdom. Nice. It's all I, that. It's the it's your twenty years of friendship with me. Yeah, so. <laughs> just kidding. It's mutual. It's, it's, mutual. The, it's the same hospital we were born in. Yeah, it was a good hospital. It was hospitable. It's hospitable. We can cheers oh, to that. Oh Boom. man! All that's, right, that's hey, good. Have a blessed rest. Thanks of for your the day. conversation. Mm-hmm.